Welcome to the Bob Siegel Show podcast on the Cross Global Media Radio Network. Visit cgmradio.com slash bob to subscribe on your favorite podcasting platform. Michael Branch is executive officer of ECTLC, standing for East County Transitional Living Center. ECTLC is a unique faith-based organization located in East County, San Diego. It addresses homelessness, addiction, and other social challenges with life-changing solutions that seek to provide a hand up. Michael has an associate in science degree in administration of justice from West Valley College, a Bachelor of Arts in Biblical Studies from Southern California Seminary and a Master of Social Work degree from the University of Southern California. I have to ask you, is that West Valley, is that the one that's in the Los Gatos, San Diego area? That is where I grew up. Yes, I grew up in the Bay Area. Born in Los Gatos, then moved to Santa Cruz. Beautiful area. Oh, and I said I lived in Santa Cruz for one summer too. That's a beautiful area. It's gorgeous, yeah. I, I love San Diego, don't get me wrong, but Northern California, I don't think Southern California holds a candle to it. I would have to agree. <laughs> Especially the Redwoods. And, oh, it's, oh, it's gorgeous up there. It's awesome. Well, we're really excited to have you here. You come well recommended. Tell us first a little bit about what brought you to Christianity. And then after that, I want to hear what brought you to this particular ministry. A lot of people don't think of doing a ministry to the homeless. It's very important, especially with all we're hearing about in the news with situations such as San Francisco and Los Angeles, how out of control everything is. And I won't even describe describe what people are describing on the news out in the streets. But anyway, let's back up. What led you to Jesus Christ in the first place? Yeah, so growing up, I grew up in somewhat of a, a dysfunctional home. My parents got a divorce when we were real young, and they were young, and the women in my family went to church, and they took the children, my grandmother and my mom, and none of the men went to church. But as a kid, I always I remember going to Los Gatos Christian Church with my grandmother, who primarily raised me. I think that was my first experience with Jesus, where I knew he was real, you know, I was baptized, I, I understood that uh, that he was real, that he was my savior. And then as I got older, I was your Mark One motto, prodigal son. So what I didn't, what I, looking back now, I understand how it was a good setup for me to to walk away from the Lord. A lot of the behavior that was modeled for me growing up was not uh, conducive to uh, staying married or staying on track with the Lord. So as I got older, at a very young age, at 21 years old, I became a cop. So that's like, you know, I wanted to go into oh, the Oh, that Navy. is interesting. Yeah. So you have a law enforcement background too. Correct, yeah. So Boy, I lived up there too. You might have, for all we know, this may not be the first time we met. I was pulled over for several speeding tickets. Oh, really? So. Well, I worked for the Highway Patrol for <laughs> five years. You, maybe you were one of those guys. Uh, you you know. never know. You never know. Yeah. So growing up, I think I, looking back, I was self-medicating as some of what was going on in in my house and being raised by my grandparents, who who did a really you know the best job they could, but. But grandparents can only do so much because they're several generations removed from you. And right, they're right. slowing down a little bit. Yeah, so I fell in with the wrong crowd and everything that goes along with that in high school. That's interesting, though, because law enforcement is not what we think about when we think about falling in with the wrong crowd. So yes. there must have been something in you that had moral scruples despite all that if you wanted to enforce the law. Yeah, so I, I think that what it was was... My grandmother, I think, she was a very strong Christian woman and instilled those values in me. And also the men in my life, even though they um, they had a very strong work ethic, they were all in construction. 
and they all did very well for themselves, but they believed in working hard and playing hard. So as I grew up and wanted to go into the Navy, my dad had been drafted during Vietnam and he said, yeah, don't go into the military, just go to junior college and figure out what you want to do. So when I went there, it's when I, I kind of decided the only thing that sounded fun to me was law enforcement or administration of justice. So as I started taking some of those classes, I figured I'd better straighten up. And so, like I said, I think I grew up faster than I should have, right? So what I would do is I would, I worked full-time my junior and senior year of high school. I would go to work for Safeway and throw frozen food from four to eight in the morning. Then I'd go to high school, play a sport, come back at night, and stock shelves another four hours. Wow. Yeah. So I was mature even though I was... can't imagine anymore being that busy and doing all those things and not just wanting to crash at the end of the day. Right. Yeah. Just so, when you're in your 20s, we were able to do that sort of thing. Yeah. So, you know, I think it was... That's how I fell in, into uh, to that lifestyle, to, in, into becoming a cop. So, How many uh, years were you a cop? Seven and a half years. Okay. That's yeah. a good, so good I, reasonable period I, of time. I worked for five years for the high patrol out of the San Jose office, and then I lateraled over to the city of Sunnyvale, and they are public safety, so they do both their cops and firefighters. So when you're a cop, you carry your turnouts in the trunk. I never realized that one could be a cop and a firefighter at the same time. I knew that firemen could also make arrests. I had heard that, uh, but I had not heard that cops could put out fires. Yes. Yeah, so in the state of California, there's two agencies that do both. One of them is Sunnyvale and the other one is Ronert Park. That is very interesting. Yeah. So that was a time in my life where I kind of fell away from the Lord and I just really lost my relationship with the Lord and was not living my life the way that I knew that I should be. And then in my mid-20s at around, I think I was 27 at the time, I'd made a decision I didn't want to stay in law enforcement my whole life. And so I left that to chase my dream of becoming a Navy SEAL. So I left the Bay Area and came down to San Diego. And at the time, uh, I had started to date who is now my wife, my current wife. She had no idea what a Navy SEAL was. That's one of the most prestigious and difficult things the Navy does, my understanding. Yes. I, it's, I, it's no easy thing being a Navy SEAL. Some of us think that, yeah. There's, <laughs> there's, there's quite a few prestigious jobs in the military, but that one seems to be the most famous or notorious. So... We, you know, I left, came down to San Diego, and then my wife had been previously married, so I had an instant family, and my and my daughters moved down here with us. And the first few years that I was in the Navy, you know, I made it through uh, SEAL training and became a SEAL and uh, am a new SEAL, going my first deployment in '98 or '99, and that was a peacetime deployment. And then on my very second, that I came back did a year and a half long workup. And on my second deployment is when uh, 9-11 happened. And so we were immediately deployed and did some work overseas at the very beginning, right after 9-11 happened. Where was this, Afghanistan or Iraq? Or? Well, it was it was in areas uh, actually in East Timor and some areas at the very beginning before we went into Afghanistan. Then I came home and trained for a year and went to Iraq at the beginning of the war in 03. So my platoon was the uh, SEAL Team 3 was at the very beginning of the war when they took down the gas and oil platforms and they started that shock and awe campaign. And then SEAL Team 5 
who I was with, we were uh, flown in in March of '03, just as the push was was going in before they had made it all the way to Baghdad. And then we relieved SEAL Team 3, and we pushed all the way in. And then our primary mission for the the whole deployment was, I think, nine or ten months long. And we were at the beginning of the war when we were hunting Saddam and and anyone else on the block. Now, are the SEALs similar? To, I mean, we think of the Marines as the first ones to hit the beaches. Isn't that similar in some ways to what the Navy SEALs do? They're kind of the first in line yeah so it or a little more covertly perhaps i would say covertly so there's a lot of especially nowadays even and i've been out since 05 and and so much has changed but there's a lot of covert units that operate even outside of the military that are doing work gathering intelligence and assisting the special operations forces so and there's a lot of other special operations so did you do the kind of stuff that you could tell us but you'd have to kill us afterwards that kind of stuff something like that yeah (laughs) so yeah so came back from iraq and i was pretty much a mess let's just say like looking back now i understand what was going on i i had some I, i would say some unmitigated trauma from you know growing up and then into my seven years in law enforcement and then my career in the SEAL teams and I just happened to be one of those guys that was not making healthy decisions at the time there was kind of a uh, a stigma on admitting that you had mental health issues or substance abuse issues and so I just I hid them not very well and I was basically self-medicating my stress through alcohol and then it led to substance abuse and so what happened and then I'm getting to my the testimony part how I was reintroduced to the Lord so you know I was kind of leading a double life for a while going to church pretending like everything was okay but really oh, and so after I get out of the Navy I become a bounty hunter for five years oh my goodness your resume just goes on and on you yeah. are one interesting guy I had some interesting careers in my life and so I did that for five years I worked for the parents corporation of Aladdin bail bonds. I have to just stop you for a moment. How did your wife react to all of this? I can't, I imagine being the wife of a Navy SEAL, even if you're not deployed in Iraq or close to it, would, would be pretty nerve wracking. How did she handle all of this? Well, she's an amazingly, she's just an amazing woman. She was also a, so she's 100% Sicilian and she was a, police dispatcher, a 911 dispatcher. Okay, so she has enough of a background with that that it's not completely foreign territory to her right and she raised three daughters without a husband because i was gone for seven years straight so she's a a very resilient and amazing woman and and one of the reasons i think i'm even here today so yeah after my military service i got out i uh did bounty hunting and worked on a, on also a protection detail for the Prince of Equatorial Guinea. And so I was busy working all the time, still self-medicating. And essentially my wife and pastor at the time had a little meeting with me, a little intervention. And they just essentially, my wife said, Hey, this is enough. You gotta, you gotta get some help for what's going on. And I was in denial and agreed that I would go get some help because I had tried a few times leading up to that to try to get control of my drinking like through Alcoholics Anonymous, yeah, things like exactly. That. Yeah. And I had even quit drinking and using drugs for just about a year, and, and and immediately went back to it. And so basically, I went to the Veterans Administration, and they only have a short-term program there. It's a twenty-eight day program where I eventually ended up working years later. And then after that, they offer treatment at Veterans Village of San Diego, which is a long-term a veteran-serving nonprofit here in San Diego County. And then the VA pays for treatment there. And I definitely needed long-term treatment, but you have to be homeless to get into there. 
and I was not homeless. So but you had a very good home, a good yeah, wife. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. And and so that was the one. Fortunately, that actually, I, I believe now it was it was a gift that that happened. So my pastor told me about a faith based recovery ministry in East County. Uh, San Diego, and that it was a essentially a one-year discipleship ministry. So even though it was uh, about recovery, it was really about finding your relationship with the Lord again. And he said, that's, that's what you need. You need to figure out what's going on between you and the Lord. And so I agreed, and I went reluctantly, and uh, the rest is history. I had my road to Damascus moment with the Lord uh, my first week there, because really, I now, that, is this the same organization you're with now? Correct. That you went to? Okay, yeah. so you're a product of the organization, and you're giving back to the organization. Exactly. Yeah. So I I show up to East County Transitional Living Center. My wife and pastor drop me off, and uh, the first ninety days for the Do you men, live there on their campus. Correct. Kind of? I see. It's okay. a one year, four phase discipleship ministry. So the phases are broken down into three months. And the first ninety days for single men and single women, the men go out to a ranch in Del Zero. We call it the men's training center and it's way out the 94 close to the Takati border and then the women go to another home in a local home here in San Diego so you left yeah so I completed the one-year program and during that time decided that I was going to you know I had surrendered my life to Christ during that program and decided that I needed to have a, a total change of everything that I you know had been doing and moving forward I knew that I wanted to do something that was more conducive to um being home on a regular basis and that that would just assist my recovery, my walk with the Lord and being a good husband and father. So I decided to go to Bible college or at uh, Southern California Seminary to get an undergrad in biblical studies. And I, I knew that I, at some way, shape or form, I wanted to serve the Lord. And after that, and during that time, I decided that my giftings were probably, they led me in the degree of getting a social work degree because I thought with both of those, with my Christian worldview, my biblical training, and then wanting to help other folks, other Christians or non-Christians find their way to healing. And so I decided to get my master's degree in social work. And then I started, after that, I went to work my first job was with Veterans Village of San Diego as an alcohol and drug counselor. And then I uh, moved to the VA in La Jolla, got a job there as an addiction therapist and got my hours as a licensed clinical social worker. And then after that, I moved to a, it's really an outpatient clinic of the Veterans Administration called the Vet Center. And they specifically treat combat veterans, military sexual trauma survivors, or family members of those that were deceased while on active duty, whether that was in combat or a training accident or natural causes. And so I worked for the VA for the last eight years as a licensed clinical social worker, specializing in you know mental health and addiction. And then last February, I think it was January 30th, Harold Brown, the former CEO of East County Transitional Living Center, passed after a long battle with cancer. Oh, yeah. sorry to hear that. And uh, he was the CEO while I was there in 2010. And he had, he pretty much, him with some other folks in the East County community that helped to stand this organization up back just before, right around 2008. It's been around about 13, 15 years. And it started out as Set Free Ministries, and then it became East County Transitional Living Center, I think, in 2008. So after Harold passed, they uh, started a search for a new CEO, and um, 
I uh, put my hat in the ring, and then six months later, they made a decision, and I've been on board at East County Transitional Living Center now for the past three and a half months. Well, I'm glad they reached out to somebody who was already there. It's very common for organizations and churches especially to always go out to New Jersey and ship in somebody and to have somebody who was already there who knows the ropes that a lot of the other staff are familiar with it. I just think that was a real wise decision. That's where we should be drawing our leadership from. I agree. And and there were several other very well-qualified candidates in the community, and some of them had uh, been through East County Transitional Living Center, had been graduates, have worked there. Some were prior board members. So they had a, a lot of folks that are intimately connected and I agree, it's important to find someone that has some skin in the game there and understands what's going on. I think so. Now, you've already alluded a little bit to the programs just by nature of what you were receiving yourself. But for our audience, what specifically, what are the different kinds of programs that you offer? Yeah, so let me start with there's a single, uh, there's a program for single men and single women, and those are separate tracks. And then there's a family restoration ministry and then emergency housing. So let me start with the. So this is not just the home. Homelessness is just one of many, many things that you do. That's correct. This is not a homeless shelter. This is a one-year, four-phase discipleship ministry, and it rehabilitates. But and you do have people who are homeless go through there. And, correct. And it, and it gets them off the street. Absolutely. And we, don't, we do not discriminate where anyone comes from. There's only two types of people that we cannot accept. One is registered sex offenders. So we screen out registered sex offenders because we have children on campus and Naturally. on the main campus. Yeah. 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 And then uh, somebody who has a psychotic disorder that's unstable. But once they are stabilized and on medication, then they can come into the program. But really, we'll take people. We're, we're one of the very few programs, I think the only program in San Diego County that if a local pastor or the El Cajon Police Department or someone in the community, a family member wants to bring someone over or just someone wants to roll right off the street into our front office, we'll take them. That doesn't happen anywhere else. So, so the, there's curriculum and teaching involved. What would that be like? What would a typical class Yeah, so in the morning, it starts with uh, Psalms and Proverbs and, and a devotion in the morning. And then throughout the day, based around their other duties, because this is also a hand-up working ministry. So part of the way that we sustain ourselves is through work therapy contracts. So at the same time that these folks are kind of earning their way through because it's cost-free, they're also gaining work experience and building their resume and learning life skills. So we do uh, start out with Psalms and Proverbs and devotionals in the morning. And then throughout the day, we have Bible studies, anger management classes, financial literacy. If you have not received your high school education or a GED, that's required. And it's actually funded by a local East County organization, the East County Posse, pays for everyone that goes through our program to get their GED. Now, is that because just completing something like that, it does something for the ego and the self-esteem? Is that why that's a requirement? Yeah. Well, yeah, several things. One, it's definitely a sense of accomplishment, something that they... Yeah, because you, they're going through life saying, I didn't even graduate high school. They, right. they must not be feeling very good about themselves. Right. So it, it instills self-confidence, and then it also helps... On an application, some people ask, do you have a high school diploma or a GED? So it, it helps with finding a job and building their resume. And so we also do what's called, uh, we have a 
Celebrate Recovery Step Study. It's basically like AA or NA, but it's Bible-based. It's a 12-step program for people struggling with alcohol or, or other addictions. And uh, there's a an ACE Overcomers class that we're going to incorporate, which is a faith-based curriculum for folks that experience childhood trauma. So we have a single men and single women track and then we have a family restoration ministry, and then we do have 60-day emergency housing too for folks that come in, and this might not be the program of their choice, but we help, our, our case managers will help them, case manage them into a program that works for them, other permanent supportive housing. So at any given time on our five different campuses, we can feed, clothe, and house anywhere between 350 and 550 men, women, and children. And are you doing three meals a day, two meals a day? That, that's correct. Wow. We, uh, in a year, we serve over 400,000 meals out of our wow. kitchen. Wow, that is something else. It's incredible. Our food director, Bobby Jeffries, does an amazing job with the assistance of a lot of local Feeding San Diego, other nonprofits, and churches in the area help to support that. How long would you say people are with you before they give their lives to Christ? Or I guess I shouldn't assume that everybody gives their life to Christ. That's not a requirement. You're going to help them out anyway, I'm sure. But do you see a lot of people become Christians through this ministry? Yes. Actually, there's a pool on campus there because it was the old Fab 7 Motel on 1527 East Main Street in El Cajon. So there's a pool there that we have. And I don't know the exact number, but there's been thousands of baptisms. Oh, in that that's pool. wonderful. Yeah, that so it's wonderful. amazing. I don't have any exact numbers, and it, and it depends. Some people right away, you know, uh, who have known the Lord, some haven't, some in the first weeks or months, and others toward the middle or the end. But it's it's an amazing program that takes, you know, families off the streets, gives them food, clothing, and shelter, safety, security, and helps to give them some of the skills that they need to you know, get back on their feet. Since reaching out to the homeless is one of the things you do, what would you say makes your programs different from other programs that also reach out to the homeless? So for us, I can't speak for all the other programs and there, and there are some other, you know, good programs in the area, but we are a, a working ministry. So folks that come in are going to get up in the morning, brush their teeth, take a shower, make their bed, clean their room and go to work and learn how to, you know, show up at work every day because those of us, if you don't work, you don't eat. That was something that Harold was famous for saying. And uh, so we teach people So the people old, we're not skills. just going to give you fish. We're going to teach you how to use a fishing pole. Exactly. Yep. And so we, we're not just a, a shelter. We actually will rehabilitate and give people the skills they need so that when they leave, they should have a job and other permanent supportive housing. They're not just going to come in and hang out in a shelter. And so, yeah, I think that's what makes us unique. We can take somebody that uh, has no money to enter into a program and no place to live and no job. And when they finish the program, they will have a job and, and a place to go and be a productive member of society again, which is the goal. That's the ultimate goal. Michael, I'm sure a lot of people are listening right now wondering how they can help out. What can people do to support this vibrant and very important ministry? Yeah, thank you for asking. So they can locate us at ectlc.org. And uh, there's a place to donate. We also have a... And you are 100% faith-based, right? You're not getting anything from the state or anything like that. No, not at all. So that's the other thing. We do have the 60-day emergency shelter, which is the 
we call that like the secular side of the program. So it's run through community block grants through the city of El Cajon. Oh, okay. And so if they take someone off the streets in El Cajon and they just need a place to bring them for 60 days, they're not required to go to Bible studies or to program. We do not proselytize. Right. And then they're gone in 60 days. And that's run through community block grants through La Mesa. But the whole other program side is all self And they'll tell you since they're coming through the state, you can't proselytize them. Okay. Correct. And we will still help our case managers will help them find a program of their choice or other permanent supportive housing. And, you know, we respect that there's going to be other people that just need a place to come in and get some emergency shelter and move on. And we think that's in in line with the gospel. In our last few minutes, I was wondering if there were a few stories you could tell. You could change the names or not use names. I don't want to divulge anybody's privacy, but are there a couple of cases of people that came to you and just talk a little bit about what their life story was like and how this program was of such help to them? Yeah, so we also are just starting to build up our YouTube channel, the East County Transitional Living Center YouTube channel and all our other social media platforms where you can find just some amazing testimonies of families and single men and women that come through there. Every month we prepare like testimonies of the month. And I mean, there's such a wide variety of testimonies. You know, some that stand out are are people that have spent years and years in prison and have come back out and reoffended and then found their way to the program, were given grace by the justice system and never really left the ministry. There's people who have overdosed 15 times from fentanyl and were brought back with Narcan and then they turn their life around and have jobs and a place to live and are thriving and come back as part of the alumni and to give back to the organization so they can kind of give their testimony for other people that might have lost hope and can't believe that they can turn their life around. So yeah, we see it every day, which is amazing. For us, it's just another day on a frontline ministry, but it's unbelievable for someone that might not have the gifting to deal with that. Personally, there's other ways that that they can support a program like that. There's plenty of ways to to support even if they wanted to volunteer they can get online onto our website and hook up with our volunteer coordinator and figure out how they can give back and be a part of in some way shape or form bringing these people from a life of chaos and disorder and living on the streets and on drugs to actually being a productive member of society without having to actually be an intimate part of it they can be a part of it as a teammate and um, someone that comes alongside us and helps us continue this mission. The Bob Siegel Show podcast is a production of Bob Siegel and Cross Global Media. Visit us online and subscribe to the show at cgmradio.com slash bob.